If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not so great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, What's the podcast? Welcome back, Survivors, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your tour guides for this podcast, Daniel Posey, and joining me, as always, Drew Douglas. How are, are we covering the Survivor now? <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it's boiling down to because it's Survivors of Captain Trips. I have to say, this is going to be a journey into insanity this episode because we're going to be talking about of course returning to the world of the stand but we are going to new vegas it's going to be a wild ride so i hope uh you listeners out there are buckled up for this specific episode we're talking about the stand cbs all access's new take on stephen king's which some don't realize it's a stephen king story sadly but stephen king's epic pandemic story and this is our fifth episode for the stand that we're covering so welcome let's go ahead and just kick it off this episode we're going to be talking about the stands episode five fear and loathing in new vegas Ooh, uh, as you said episode five it was directed by chris fisher written by jill killington and nate lee is that mm-hmm. what I'm looking at here? Nice. It came out on January 14th on CBS All Access. Runtime, 61 minutes. Here's the official synopsis. Two spies from the Boulder Free Zone make their way to New Vegas and begin to discover what's really happening there. Meanwhile, Franny hatches a plan to investigate Harold and Mother Abigail is visited by an evil presence. Does that intrigue you if you were to read that? Um, it's one of those that it's literally smack dab in the middle of this show of this mini series that if I were to read that, I'm like, man, I'm missing a lot. But then again, even watching this, I feel like I'm still missing a lot. <laughs> I know it's a huge issue. I like that. It says two, two spies from the Boulder free zone. When the last episode three were sent out, that's makes you wonder what's happening. Yeah. What happened? Uh, we, in this episode, ended up getting kind of a hint to what's going on there. But what we do know that's happening, we technically have two storylines in this episode. And the first one is told in the Boulder Free Zone. And that's where we see Harold and Nadine after shooting and killing Teddy. They're trying to convince the rest of the community that Teddy really committed suicide. And through that, Franny and Larry, they're suspecting Harold is up to something. So Franny and Larry actually work together to investigate. And through that, they form this plan to invite Harold over. Actually, it was Franny's plan to invite Harold over to have dinner with Franny and Stu while Larry goes to investigate at Harold's home. So we 
then jumped to New Vegas and were really following two of the spies, as you had noted, Drew. Uh, Dana is really the spy who we spend the most time with, and she's working as a welder, but she's been asking around about Randall Flagg, and through that, she gets pulled out of her work and joins Julie Lowry, where we are once again um, reintroduced to Julie. This time, she's not on the road, but living a very lavish life with Lloyd, who is plucked from prison from Randall Flagg himself. And Julie and Lloyd, they are showing Dana around, and eventually they take her to see the dark man, Randall Flagg himself. But before we do that, we get to see Dana in kind of panic mode, and she passes off a note to spy number two, Tom Colon, who's technically working cleanup crew in the pits of the pink house. The pits <laughs> The worst job imaginable. Yeah, I can't imagine that. It's um, seeing that he's just going around picking up body parts and, and limbs of people who have ripped each other apart where they have, uh, technically they're treating this as like the Colosseum and it's this insane gladiator ring. And um, Dana warns Tom with one simple word, run. And of course, Tom can't read. So he is not sure what to do. And that's, we're left with Tom uh, basically saying M-O-O-N. And then Dana is led to Randall Flagg where she tries to assassinate him, but it fails. And it leaves her with her only choice of killing herself. Then we jump back to the Boulder Free Zone. And that is where we see Mother Abigail. And she is praying after finding out that the spies have been sent to New Vegas and while she's seeking answers, she's visited by a wolf and goes missing. And at the dinner party that Franny and Stu are having with Harold, uh, he decides to leave suddenly. He goes back home and Larry is having to wrap things up very quickly uh, and while he finds a shirt that Nadine wears, he finds that in the dresser of Harold's. He leaves in a hurry, kind of messes up the dresser. And when Harold walks up to his bedroom, he discovers that some of his items are a little out of place. So he goes back, goes into his basement where it's revealed that he has a security system. And not only did he find Larry snooping around his home while he was at Stu and Franny's, but we also see that he has set up a surveillance camera in Stu and Franny's home. What a creep. How in the world did he get that set up, by the way? I don't know, because we see a shot of the little teddy bear with the eye, the messed up eye. And Wouldn't you need, like, freaking internet for that, though? Yeah. Not only internet, but it's a lot of that doesn't really make sense, because I don't understand how he's able to get this network of computers to see all of this. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's, I mean, it's a cool idea, but really like, how are they able to pull this off with that? We get to spend some time with three main characters. And that's Julie, who we were introduced 
to on the last episode where she met Nick and Tom on the road. And then we get to spend more time with Lloyd Henry. And we also get to spend time with Randall Flagmore in this episode after he was very absent from the last episode. But this episode, we don't get much of Nick. Like you said, Drew, before we started recording, Nick sent us for like 30 seconds. Not good. Yeah, it's sad that uh, one of the, ideally one of the strongest characters is just not really here in this episode very much. But as we make our way through episode five here and loathing a new Vegas, how are you feeling about the show now? I think this one in particular, there are just several times I just couldn't shake the feeling that I either missed crucial scenes or literally an entire episode because the pacing of this entire show is so rushed. And then I think in this episode in particular, people are doing and acting in ways that make absolutely no sense. There are just <laughs> massive WTFs for me in this one. Namely with, there's the two big ones for me, and I don't know if this is for you. The Nadine story where she just suddenly wants to bang Larry. Oh. That makes some semblance of sense if you've read the book. But if you're coming in blind, God help you because <laughs> it just it doesn't make, there's no setup for it. And then the other big WTF for me is Franny suddenly asking Larry to break into Harold's house and look for clues that he's some sort of evil genius. Uh, we've talked about this before. A lot of these characters are undercooked. Franny is really, really undercooked. I think that fact is only amplified by her actions in this one because Larry kind of has an idea that Harold is weird and we know Franny does, but there's no interactions really between any of these characters who <laughs> give the audience any sort of evidence that they might think he's a bit kooky. So when she approaches Larry to break into Harold's house, why? What, what is she suddenly so paranoid about? I guess you could say it's the, uh, it's Ted's death that isn't adding up with some of these characters, but we never see them discussing it or wondering if that's um if harold is somehow involved in that that's kind of the largest issue that i have with franny in this episode because larry spends the most amount of time with really harold or at least not necessarily with him but observing his reaction to things and just feeling like something's off but i totally agree so Franny tells Larry, hey, I need your help. I need you to get go into his home. And maybe I missed this. Um, but she's like, I need to just break into his home. And what are they looking for? That's What is she hoping to find? It, to me, it's almost like she doesn't know. She's just working off of a hunch. And both, mm-hmm. may, maybe they're looking for a murder weapon or some kind of clue to give as like more explanation why Teddy killed himself. I don't know. That's, that's a good question because it's just that they're wanting to break in and look around. <laughs> it's getting to the point where the, the cons of this show are, are becoming so frustrating that it's just, it's almost outweighing how much I am starting or like enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. It's so rushed. And I know there's only four episodes after this point, And I just don't understand how you could finish this story in a satisfactory way. And as you mentioned, Nick Andros is in this for maybe 30 seconds. He's barely in this entire show. I is I don't know. Everyone just seen it just just no character development. I don't and the thing with the spies ultimately at the end of this episode, I'm like, I don't 
we haven't spent any time with these characters. Who cares? Yeah. It's just weird that they set up this, this spy story and it lasts 45 minutes and it's over. I mean, it's a cool idea that with Tom, they can't figure out who the third spy is, which is Tom. So he doesn't know who it is. Um, but, and hence why Dana kills herself. So she's not like tortured to bring out that information. So that makes sense and all, but it's just done so haphazardly. It's handled so off. Have you reached the point of kind of no return with this show where your frustration is mounted to a point where you kind of are just finishing this out of obligation because you started it? Or is, is there still enough in this right now that you like it? I will say that I am at this point more frustrated, but I'm still like I'm in it. I think knowing that there are just uh, four more episodes left, there is a little bit of good and bad with that because bad being that there's so much more that I really expected. And the other thing is I keep hoping that it will end up changing for the best, but now I think we are too far into it to really make any drastic changes. And it makes me hope that there will be another iteration down the road that will be better than this. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's not going to be hard. It's funny that this is announced and they said it's nine episodes and we, or at least I did, thought, well, that's the perfect amount of time to tell this story. And then pretty early on, episodes three, maybe episode four, you realize there's no way you can fit this entire story into nine episodes. Mm -hmm. And then you factor in the fact that they did all these flashbacks that really hurt the flow of the show. And I just, I can't imagine at this point, I just don't understand the logic behind the way the show has been put together and it's getting worse every single episode. Truthfully, it seems like a lot of the story is very early draft where it wasn't really flushed out very much and they took the concept like, okay, we've got enough substance to work with from Stephen King's original story that we can use this as a base and build upon it. But the way that it's building is just this strange maze of navigating the story that it could be presented and executed really well, but it's just not unfortunately for this. So I mean, Which is a shame because what we are given, I think the execution is fine in terms of, it's not like super, like it doesn't feel cheap. I feel like the, the acting is good. I, it's got a good quality to it. It's just the writing and the structure is just not very smart. It's so strange because after this last episode, I thought, okay, I mean, I, I, I still like things about it, but I keep thinking about wanting to return to the original miniseries and watch that. And something about this show still is as good as it kind of looks and feels, it still feels small scale. Like I don't get the impression that the world has come to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. New Vegas is kind of cool, but it's basically we're, this past episode is the first time we've experienced it. And it's set basically inside of that casino slash hotel. Mm -hmm. So that feels limited in scope. In it's interesting because the I thought the New York episode, so episode two, we would end up seeing so much more of the city, but not just the city, but everywhere they went. And we didn't get that because 
that was missing to a degree from the original series. And I thought that'll be nice to see here, but we really haven't gotten that. I mean, we spend time on the road, but it's literally on the road where it's on highways or something like that. And that's one of my major frustrations is that the struggle with these characters, it doesn't really seem like much of a struggle. Yeah. And when you're working at the, you're, you're literally in the end of the world, it would seem a lot more, not only dangerous, but the stakes would be higher. There'd be more that would be going like awry. And of all of them, there hasn't been a scenario except for Dana, where she kills herself. But even then, it seemed very rushed. So I didn't care as much about her character. Like, I hated that she died, but it's like, okay. I mean, hopefully Tom Colin gets out. <laughs> I literally, I, I didn't care at all. We, we've spent no time with her. I think the episode she's introduced, she has maybe one line of dialogue. We don't know this person at all. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's sad. And we'll get into what we predicted from this episode here in a couple of minutes uh, on the last podcast. But yeah, I was uh, I was worried about a few things, and those things actually came true for this episode. So, what are some of the things that you actually liked about *Fear and Loathing in New Vegas*? I guess just like um, finally getting to Vegas. We're five episodes in. We finally get decent quality time with Randall Flagg. Randall Flagg is not really developed much. I guess he's a character you don't really need to develop a whole lot, but we haven't spent a crazy amount of time with him. Um, so it was nice to to get that. It is nice to see Vegas. It's a very different Vegas than the book. And from what I understand, the miniseries, I think the acting and, and the cast are, are, are game for whatever, you know, they're good. They're fine. Those are the, the most positive thing. I mean, I was entertained. It, it sucks going into this knowing everything about the story because then you're just left frustrated by what's on the cutting room floor. <laughs> and comparing it story-wise. I mean, yeah. it's got to be, you know, you've read the Dark Terror, Dark, Dark Terror series and then you go see that movie that came out a couple years ago and it's 90 minutes and you're like, <laughs> how did you turn that entire story into a 90-minute film? It makes no sense. And that's what I'm feeling with this is you have this 1,200-page book and you're trimming the fat so much. Um, and that's the frustration. I'm getting back in the negative stuff. I didn't want to do that. We're talking about the good <laughs> things. Uh, for a piece of like a 60 minute TV show episode, it was entertaining. I was entertained by this. The, I still think that the best thing about not only this episode, but of the entire series so far is whenever it's working as an ensemble and we get to see the committee and the Boulder free zone working together, even Though I'm not like a fan of their characters, but Julie and Lloyd, when we spend time with them like together, that's whenever it seems to grow in size for the story and the characters and the development as well. But it's a situation that with having the whenever there are the characters working by themselves, it's not as strong. However, um, Harold and the actor who plays Harold, uh, does a great job with just being totally creepy and eerie, but with having, um, the, um, 
having Dana is kind of like the person who we spend, we kind of attach ourselves to her and explore New Vegas through the lens of her is cool. But once again, we don't know who she is. So that leads, there's like a like, and we've discussed this before, but we have these likes for the show, but it seems as if those likes also have a downside and that leads into the negatives. So it's almost like we can't talk about the positives without bringing up the negatives. Imagine if we had met Dana in like episode two mm-hmm. and then episode four, we have the bombshell of, Oh, you're going to be one of our spies. Mm-hmm. And just adds so much weight to that, that I just, and if you do this chronologically, you meet Dana fairly early on. The whole thing is just completely baffling. It's a long list of things that don't work. What are the the largest or the, the greatest offenders of what's not working here? It's got to be that I just, characters are doing stuff that makes absolutely no sense because mm. we just haven't spent time with them. We don't understand their logic and why they're doing stuff. Seriously, I just, if you're watching this, how, why the Nadine coming on to Larry stuff, you'd be like, what? Why? <laughs> not only the structure of the story, but the structure of the characters overall, it's just pretty weak at times. And that's very frustrating. And especially when there's so much to chew on with the story and getting what we're getting, it seems almost like a tease more than anything else. What would you say your letter grade for this episode is? Hmm. Uh, a generous C. Mm. I could probably go a little lower, but... It is what it is. I'll give it a C. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm going a little bit higher because my frustrations are starting to get the best of me at times. Although I'm trying still to give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, there are a few things that I do like, but I'm going with a C plus, which I mean, it's still in that average range. <laughs> so it's getting lower. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for both of us, I feel like it's getting lower which is definitely bringing down the overall score for the series, which brings us to our next question. What's your series letter grade so far? I think I did B minus last time. I'm going to, I'm going to say C we're, we're, we're dipping down in that C quality. Me too. I'm, I'm now going with the C plus for the series as well. Did this episode change these power rankings for characters? Did it, did anyone shift on your list and move up to number one for your favorite characters. Now, I think I had Tom last week and Tom doesn't do anything spectacular in this episode. He's, he's only in a little bit. Um, but I still like Tom a lot. I'll, I'll keep him, I'll keep him at number one. Stu, I don't know. I, I, I'm loving James Marsden though. So, uh, seeing a happy Stu in the house, drinking wine, doing his thing. Um, he's creeping up there. He's just a happy guy. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I'm going to have to change mine around a little bit since we're just not getting Nick and Tom really at all. I got to go with Stu just because it makes me feel as if we got more of this story. I'd love to see more of Stu. And yeah. what we're getting, I'm digging. And we had to have a nice charismatic lead to be in that role of Stu. And I had to say, I'm, I'm really loving James Marsden. So what he's doing in that role, I, I got to bump Stu up there. I mean, I mentioned um, Nick and then you brought up Tom as well, not getting enough. Would you still say that they're at your top for wanting to get more of those characters? I don't think at this point 
uh, Nick's storyline is going to stay how it was in the book. I'm pretty confident it's going to be tweaked a little bit. It has to because we haven't spent any time with him. Mm. Um, I'm wondering if we get a big Nick episode coming up. Mm. Well, that's kind of what happened with Dana, where we didn't really see anything of Dana. And then we're just dropped into, okay, this is who she is. And, oh, guess what? You're going to be a spy. So I could see that happening with Nick. What are some of the major changes in this episode from the book to this series? Uh, There are a few, and we won't spend a massive amount of time on this, but in the book, Mother Abigail, she just wanders off by herself before the spies are ever sent. I kind of like the change in this one where it's, she's really upset that they sent spies without her permission. That was not the plan. Mm. And she goes off into exile. I, I, I think that choice is actually logical. Mm-hmm. Another big change is in the book, Dana is essentially Lloyd's girlfriend. And that's how he is. Cause Lloyd is the right hand man to Randall flag. So that is her connection into getting to Lloyd or getting to uh, Randall Flagg. I think probably the biggest change is is the Nadine story. And I, I texted you earlier this week. I, I realized they completely left out a character because in this in this episode, uh, we know Nadine is a virgin. She's saving herself for Randall Flagg. She she wants to be pure for him. And in order to, she kind of has that realization that for Flag to dump me to get rid of me. I need to have my virginity taken. She goes to Larry for that. I think if you're watching this show, that makes no sense because they haven't really spent too much time together, but in the book they meet, it's uh, her, Joe slash Leo, the little boy, and they're kind of a little item and it never fully develops, but eventually Larry meets another woman and those two become an item. She's a main character. One of the main characters, her name is Lucy and mm. similar to what happens in this series, Nadine is just like, I, the only way out of this thing with Flag is I got to get plowed. <laughs> so she goes to Larry, but he's involved with someone else and he has a choice to make. Do I get with Nadine, who he is very sexually attracted to, or do I stay with Lucy, who's very good to him, a good woman? That's the, big, that's the biggest change because that at least makes some sense. It's one of those that... I mean, there's enough there to have that insinuation that she's wanting to get out of that with Flag, but why? Like, why, what's, what was her big reveal to her? That's the thing that's missing, yeah. I think. Like, why is she doing that? Why'd she go to yeah. Larry? Yeah, why, 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 and at that time, why was she pushed to do it at that time? Yeah. Well, the writers needed her to do that. (laughs) That's the only thing. I like in the book, too, because Larry has to make a choice, and it's part of his uh, growth, his story arc, in the because he's pretty vapid in the book. Mm. That would be really awesome to see that develop. But once again, we not getting to spend much time with these characters, and we're kind of on this fast track to get through this story. It really sucks because there's enough there that if that were developed and at the time that happens, it would raise the stakes. But it's just also kind of brushed to the side whenever it happens in the first place. So it's almost like, oh, well, that that was the thing that lasted like two minutes and then we're moving on. And obviously, Harold doesn't have a security system in 1978. (laughs) 
<laughs> like he does in this one. And I kind of, I mean, that whole, that the security system to me, like doesn't make any sense, but mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre when you have the, this network and it's, like how how did he get the equipment there's a lot of questions i feel like in this episode it's cool these ideas are cool but once again it's like okay well why are we not exploring this that we once again just blow through this (laughs) in terms of easter eggs did you see anything in this that caught your eye or stood out like it was a nod to the book i know there are changes to the book but i was really curious to find out if you noticed something that the average viewer would not pick up on, but it's kind of like a, you know, tipping the hat to those who have read the book. Um, you know, I only watched this episode one time and I didn't notice anything. I think, think I was just kind of honestly taken aback by the new Vegas, just how wild and crazy it is. Oh, that's the other huge change that we haven't talked about. And I was going to ask you what you thought about this in the book. Vegas is not at all how it is in this miniseries where people are just plowing and doing drugs. Like that was, <laughs> those are no no's in, in the book. Like you, you do drugs and you're crucified. Hmm. Uh, and this one, I mean, it's, it's just like full blown party mode 24 mm-hmm. seven. And Ben Cavill, who is the showrunner, who I've noticed does most of the interviews and talking about this mm-hmm. over Josh Boone. But he says um, that the, the, the Vegas in the book didn't make sense to them at all. So their idea was the way that flag gets people to come to him just do whatever you want. This was an alternative to what mother Abigail was offering. And that's kind of interesting. It was, I think shocking to watch it because it's not at all what I expected. So in the, in the book then, is it where new Vegas, there's almost like a structure, like a laws more or less that you have to follow very strictly or else you're killed. He's definitely more in control. Flag is. It's uh, in a lot of ways, Vegas in the book is advancing more than or faster than how Boulder is advancing in terms of they get they get power up and running quick compared to what they do in Boulder. Like that's Mm -hmm. a process, which is kind of interesting. He just has them like working like slaves. You know, hearing that, it totally makes sense then why we begin with Dana at the at the Hoover Dam and we see that they are working a lot to try to restore the power. And then back in Boulder, they're working off of these um, uh, small, um, oh, was it the uh, generators to try to get some kind of lighting at night. And then we get to see Larry on top of the roof, just jamming out to his guitar. So it's, <laughs> it's it, so the two different worlds are so different. I, I honestly, the watching the just what was happening in Vegas, it it, it uh, definitely was not my speed. It it freaked me out. I would never want. That's not the place I would go. I'm just saying that, especially when they're doing death, like a freaking death zone where they're fighting with chainsaws, cutting each other's hands and arms and legs off. I don't want to go there. So keep me as far away from that place. <laughs> So I, I really wonder what King thinks about this major change to New Vegas. I don't know. It's funny. I just think it's funny that Cavill literally was like, we, we, it never made sense to us how, why the way that it was uh, done in the book and in the miniseries. 
don't know. It's it's a, it's interesting because it makes sense, but at the same time, I like hearing what you're saying. How King set it up in the novel, where it really it, it puts Flag really at the center of being the leader. Because when people get to do whatever they want, why exactly follow this guy unless he's like you know the one who's promising that they can keep doing this without any kind of punishment any random thoughts uh that you had including let's kind of go back to our predictions because uh we ended up getting uh several predictions uh either right or pretty close and i know the big one sadly was that i had said you know for this episode we would end up having kind of a jump in time and then it would be told in flashback it really wasn't told we didn't get any flashbacks but we do have a jump in time where we begin with the spies there would you have liked to have seen the spies and what their journey was like on the road from boulder to new vegas if you only have nine episodes we we don't have time for that crap like that stuff you do cut that's smart just Um, put us right into the middle of the war zone and then um we ended up predicting the f-bomb count that it would end up being i i said 25 and did you you said what, 25 i said 17 um because we kind of had an idea or at least a prediction that this would be in vegas and what happens in vegas stays in vegas and that includes dropping f-bombs like crazy so episode four had four f f-bombs uh, as you said, you said 25. I said 17 for this one. From my count, 18. So I win this one. Oh, that's... Yeah, I texted you too. Within like seven minutes, it had already uh, uh, just eclipsed the previous episode. <laughs> it was just Lloyd just dropping it nonstop. That's, one thing I've noticed too, Randall Flagg does not curse. Mm-hmm. Skarsgård as Flag is pretty awesome. I'm, I'm liking him as Flag. He's good. He does something in this episode that I absolutely hate. I can't understand. And it's, he's drinking milk, which I think is fun. And I think it's cool, but he's doing it with ice. Yeah. I, who puts ice in their, in their glass of milk? That's just, <laughs> I don't like that. I'll do, I'll do ice with water. Otherwise I don't usually like ice. Cause it just, I don't like that. It waters stuff down. Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, that, that is a funny thing that you ended up noting. I do love the fact that he's basically like offering up any kind of booze, but he's like, I won't drink. You can drink, but I won't. Drink. I know. I think that's kind of fun. Um, and then we had a prediction on the trash can man. When is he going to show up? I had already gotten this wrong. And I said, you know what? I don't think it's going to be episode five. I'll, I'll say episode six. So I was technically right the second time around. He's not in this episode. And I think you said he would show up in episode five, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're both kind of right and kind of wrong. We still haven't met him yet, which is insane. <laughs> well, and that's, I thought for sure when we get to Vegas, that's going to be when Trash Cam Man really starts to uh, take shape. And we get to see the ludicrous of not only New Vegas, but also Trash Cam Man. But the... I'm guessing now that we've established Vegas, I'm pretty confident we're going to meet Trash Can Man in episode six. I think that makes sense. We had noted in the last podcast episode that the name of this episode would be something different, and they changed it. CBS changed the title 
to Fear and Loathing in New Vegas, do you like that title more? I think the other one, it was like The Arrival. Or no, it's Suspicious Minds. I mean, it's Minds. a great, it, Suspicious Minds. It, it's a good, I like the title. I don't, I didn't have an opinion on Suspicious Minds, but I like the idea of Fear and Loathing in New Vegas. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my only prediction is we are going to meet Ezra Miller, a.k.a. The Trash Can Man, episode six. And I'm very much looking forward to that because I have a feeling it's going to be truly disgusting. Oh, how many, how many F-bombs do you think that just Trash Can Man will drop along? Oh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not breaking down F-words. That's too much. It's, <laughs> I keep having... It's, it's weirdly enough hard to tabulate because I keep having to pause and then like add another one to my phone. And it is distracting in a way. So I'm only going to predict F-bombs for episode six. I'm going to go high again. I'm going to say 17. I'll say 17 again, I should say. I'm actually going to go uh, down and I'm going to go below your count. I'm going to say 15. You know, minus, uh, let's say the the pandemic kind of eventually fades away. I think Trash Can Man might be a pretty fun, from what I can tell off the pictures, could be a really good Halloween costume. Oh, oh, that's, I really hope that Ezra Miller shows up to various conventions wearing his trash cam ant suit, which is basically him being naked and he just has his giant vest on. Do you have any other predictions for the upcoming episode? I don't. I am excited for it though. Do So do you still have that excitement? Is it still, is it still with you? The the curiosity of Trash Can Man is uh, is enough to get me excited. And we still haven't seen Marilyn Manson, who is in this in some capacity. I don't know if it's going to be like a little small cameo or he's actually a character. I, at this point, I'm, I don't even know what character he would be. Episode six, the next episode, um, it is called The Vigil. That will be very interesting to see what that pertains to. I'm excited. So that's going to do it for us on this episode, Stan fans. So hopefully you'll be joining us in the next discussion of the Stan episode six for the vigil. Until next time, keep watching.